Hey, it's Sean from the Commander's Brew. Before we get to this episode, I've got a very important announcement to make. I'm switching podcast hosts. Normally, I wouldn't have to say anything, but modern podcast hosting is pretty advanced, and the way I've been doing things is pretty old-fashioned. So it's not as simple as just updating the feed and then you don't notice anything. If you want to keep listening to this show, and I really hope you do, you'll have to click the link in the show notes. That'll take you to the new feed, and you can subscribe there. I'll keep publishing episodes on this feed until sometime the end of January, that should give people enough time to switch over to the new feed. And if you're coming back from the future and you're wondering why there hasn't been an update since sometime in January, this is why. I've got so many new episodes for you over on the new link. Anyway, here's this episode. Hey, welcome to the Commander's Brew. My name's Sean, your host, and this week I'm going to be talking about Jan Jansen Chaos Crafter. I'm going to go over some of the cards that make up the core of the deck that you'd probably want to run in every Jan Jansen deck, and I'm going to present you a few different angles that you can go down. Focus hard on the one that appeals to you the most, or pick and choose a little bit from all the different categories. That's a way to give your deck a lot of different flavors, so it never plays out twice the same way. While I go, I'm going to do my best to read the cards and give you a summary of what they do, but I'm not going to read every single word on every single card. I'm going to do my best to give you a of what each card does. I'm hoping that helps the flow of the show and you can keep the bigger ideas in your head rather than focus on what every single card does individually. I will have a link in the show notes that points to every single card I talked about if you want to go slower and just kind of read along with the card text in front of you. And before we begin, a special shout out to all the people who helped out in the Discord channel. If you want to find out how to get involved or you just want to help the show in general, you can support us by going to patreon.com slash All the info you'll need is over there. Special thanks to Chiefy, Jamon, Groove Chicken, and Twin Slug for this one. So let's get into Jan Jansen Chaos Crafter. Or Yan Jansen Chaos Crafter. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're supposed to pronounce the J's as wise. I'm gonna stick them as J's. North American J's. So this is a Mardu Commander. Only cost three. Red, white, black, which is nice. You get a 3-3 with haste, which means we get to use both of these tap abilities right away. The two tap abilities are kind of the same. They each ask us to sacrifice some kind of artifact, and depending on the kind we sacrifice, we get two of the other kind out of it. Here's what I mean. We can either sacrifice an artifact creature to make two treasure tokens, or we can sacrifice a non-creature artifact and get two 1-1 colorless construct artifact creature tokens. The intention is that we can sacrifice one of the treasures we made prior to make two constructs, and then next turn we can sacrifice a construct to make two more treasures. Just keep swapping one for two of the other. That is the slow way of doing things, though. We're probably going to want to generate a bunch of tokens other ways, and use little artifact creatures that give us other benefit that we can sacrifice to turn into treasures later. So no matter what way you go, we're planning on doing some sacrificing making a bunch of artifacts, and something else along the way. As far as a core goes, I think you'd want Zorn. Zorn is that red creature, three and a red for a three two, and it says if you make one or more treasures, you make that many plus one. It doesn't double our treasures, but it gives us an extra one. Since Jan makes them two at a time, it's really only a 50% gain, but more treasures is more treasures. I definitely would not say no to this. Of course, Marionette Master is a classic. I swear, this card shows up in most decks that have something to do with sacrificing and artifacts. I mean, treasures in general. It's a 6 mana 1-3, which is a lot, but we get to fabricate 3. So instead of making 3 servos, I think we're always going to put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it to make it into a 4-6. That's right, it becomes a 4-6. Now, anytime we sack an artifact, target opponent loses 4 life, the same as Marionette Master's power. The beauty of treasures is they just sacrifice by themselves. You don't have to do anything to sacrifice them. That's 4 life lost for each one. Not to mention cranial plating. That's the equipment that equips for black black or... Uh, sorry, that's actually incorrect. It equips for one or it has an activated ability for black black that just attaches it to another creature. The key here is that that is not equip, technically. 
we're not restricted by the timing rules of sorcery speed equipping. We can attack with a bunch of 1-1s, and then whichever creature gets through, we just pay black black and equip this to that, and now it gets plus 1 plus 0 for each artifact we control, which in this deck is going to be a lot. It's great for combat, but it's also great to swap onto Marionette Master. Now if Marionette Master has got, what, 15 power? We sack one treasure, sure. The Marionette Master goes down to 14 power because we're one fewer artifacts, but that's a ton of damage. We don't need to do that too many times to win. Of course, there's Academy Manifactor. That's that little artifact creature that whenever you make a treasure, a clue, or a food, you make the two other ones that you didn't make. So it turns all of our treasures into a set of three. And that's more valuable than you might think because Jan makes treasures two at a time. We make two treasures. We also get two clues and two foods. And we can use those two treasures we just made to crack a clue right away or pay for a food right away. And of course, with all this sacrificing something like Mayhem Devil, that's that Rakdos creature, 3-3 three, three for 3. Whenever a player sacrifices a permanent, this deals one to any target. So we're sacking things, we're dealing damage all over the place, and our opponents have to be careful about sacking things too, because we do get to throw damage around. It makes it very hard for our opponents to stick little utility 1-1s. And then maybe you want to consider something like Glaze Fiend. It's a simple 2-mana 0-1 flying artifact illusion. It's one on a black, and whenever another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. If we can make a lot of artifacts in one turn, this thing hits really hard. And it is an artifact itself, a creature. So we could sack it for two treasures if we needed to at an instant speed. Now Jan's really good, but I think Jan would be a lot better if we could untap him and use him more than once. So looking towards things that let you untap other creatures, Thousand Year Elixir lets you untap another creature for one and tap. We also get the benefit of being able to activate abilities as if they had haste, but I'm not planning on putting in a ton of creatures with activated abilities. I will put a few in though, and this helps with that. Jan's haste though makes it so great. Majorite Stone is the same thing, but it's two mana instead of three, and we can pay one to tap it and untap a creature that has a tap ability in the cost, which again applies to Jan. This card's 10 bucks in real life though, because it is so much cheaper than Thousand Year Elixir. It's two mana instead of three, which is pretty significant. Then there's Patriarch's Seal. This one came out in the Commander Legends Baldur's Gate set. It was kind of the coolest uncommon from the set if you ask. It's a three mana mana rock that makes a mana of any color as usual. But this one's upside is that you can pay one, tap, untap target legendary creature you control. I think this is probably a staple in any commander deck that has a commander with a tap ability because they'll always be legendary. And if we were really interested in untapping Jan a lot, there's a ton of instants in white usually that let us untap target creature. For example, Jeru's Resolve. This is one from Amonkhet. It's a one white for an instant untap target creature, prevent all damage that would be dealt to it this turn, which is a nice bonus, and it also cycles for two. And there's a whole bunch of these that cost about one or two mana, which is fine. If it costs us two to untap Jen, we can make two more treasures. So that's a net gain of zero, but we've cast one spell if we care about that, and we've had two more artifacts hit the field, and one artifact leave. So although it might seem like we just spun our wheels, sometimes those kind of wheels add up to something. But if we're really interested in untapping Jan a bunch, we can try to make Jan into an artifact, because untapping artifacts is way easier than untapping creatures. Voltaic Key, one mana, one tap, untap an artifact. Manifold Key, same thing, but you get an extra ability of making a creature can't be blocked this turn, so that's just a strictly better Voltaic Key. Still 22 cents. And then to turn Jan into that artifact, we got stuff like Liquid Metal Coating and Liquid Metal Torque. You can just tap these to make another permanent artifact into addi in addition to their other types. And if we don't have these Liquid Metal artifacts, we can use those keys to untap the Thousand Year Elixir type things 
and get an extra use out of those. Costs us more mana because we have to pay to use them, but it means they're not dead. Infinity gave us Captain Rex Nebula. I didn't expect to find something from Infinity here, but for one red white, we can have this legendary 2-2 human pilot employee. And I'll read you the full text box here. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target non-land permanent you control, like Jan, becomes a vehicle artifact until end of turn. What? Its base power and toughness are each equal to the mana value, and it has crew 2 and crash land. Whenever this vehicle deals damage, roll a 6-sided die. If the result is equal to this vehicle's mana value, sacrifice the vehicle, and it deals that much damage to any turn. I mean, I'm not planning on doing this, I just think it's interesting. It's a way to turn Jan into an artifact at the beginning of combat every turn. Now, consider Clock of Omens. I talked about spinning wheels and not really doing much, but if we can have some backup, this can be an infinite strategy. Clock of Omens is that four mana artifact that allows us to tap two untapped artifacts to untap target artifact. Two artifacts tap, one artifact untaps. If Jan is that artifact, Jan makes two artifacts, we tap those two that Jan just made to untap Jan. Jan can sack one of the two they just made, or some extra tokens if we got them lying around, to make two new things, which we can use to tap, to untap Jan, to tap, to untap Jan, to tap, to untap Jan, etc, etc, etc. Now, everything will end up being tapped at the end of the day because we have to use them to untap Jan. So we won't be able to use all those treasures we make and we won't be able to attack with all those constructs we make. But if something else is going on, like if we got that marionette master going, maybe a reckless fireweaver, so we're dealing a damage every time an artifact enters the battlefield. If we're watching for stuff coming in and going out, this is an infinite way to make stuff come in and go out. Pretty powerful. I think we're going to want something like that any way we go. But let's branch off. Let's start to look at some different directions we could go with this. I think we got to look at a proliferate angle. We've got artifacts, we've got charge counters. And when we're looking at untapping and tapping and that sort of thing, I think it's interesting that Throne of Geth is the two mana artifact that taps to sack an artifact to proliferate. We are primed to take advantage of this artifact so far. If we're building in ways to untap artifacts and or Jan, we can make a ton of artifacts to sacrifice, and we can untap the throne to proliferate a bunch of times in a turn if that's the way we want to go. I mean, even if we got Clock of Omens, we can probably proliferate a bunch of times in one turn, even if we're not untapping Jan. And if we are going the proliferate route, we need to look at the mana base. We're going to use mana rocks like Everflowing Chalice and Astral Cornucopia. These are X mana cost artifacts that start with charge counters. They tap for as many charge counters as you have on them, but we're going to start proliferating them. We've also got Mage Ring Network. It's a land that does kind of the same thing. It taps for colorless, or we can pay one and tap to put a storage counter on it, and we can tap to remove any number of storage counters to get colorless mana for each one. All we gotta do is pay for the first one, and we can just keep racking them up with proliferate. And then once these kind of effects are on board and we're generating mana with every proliferate, it starts to become very reasonable to pay for those repeatable artifacts that let you proliferate over and over, like Contagion Clasp. We just have to pay four to proliferate. It would be easier if we had access to blue, but there's tons of options for us otherwise. Gemstone Array, it's another artifact that has charge counters on it that we can remove to add mana. Crystal and Crawler, same deal in creature form. There's even Chiron Toy, which is an old school artifact. It's from Mercadian Masks. It's 45 cents. It's a three mana artifact, and you can pay one to tap it to put a charge counter on Chiron Toy. And then later, you can tap Chiron Toy to remove X charge counters. Add an amount of colorless mana equal to X plus one. Which is interesting the way they've worded it because we're going to get paid back for the one we paid to put that first one on. But then we're just going to proliferate them. 
as long as we don't remove the last counter on any one of these things, we can just keep proliferating. And that's not the only thing you need for a proliferate deck. That's just the mana. You need to have something to actually do with all that proliferate. Obviously, plus one, plus one counters are an easy way to go, but that's not where my focus is. You could easily look up all the modular type of creatures. Once we put counters on artifact creatures, they just move to other artifact creatures. I think that's a fun strategy as well. But I'm more interested in stuff like transmogrifying wand. This is the three mana artifact. It starts with three charge counters, but we're going to proliferate so that we have effectively infinity charge counters on it. You have to do it as a sorcery, but you pay one and a tap to remove a charge counter, and you turn a creature into a 2-4 ox. You destroy the creature, and its controller creates one. It won't work on indestructible. If you want to get really fancy, Magistrate Scepter is a possibility to get infinite turns. It's the three mana artifact, and you pay four to put a charge counter on it. Then we're just going to proliferate that up to three, so that when we tap to remove three charge counters, we take an extra turn. And during that turn, if we can get three more charge counters on this, we get to tap it again. And once we can prove that we can make three charge counters or three proliferates every turn with this thing, as long as we don't take the last one off, we have to have leave one on there, we can effectively take infinite turns. Geist Flame Reservoir is another artifact that lets us remove any number of counters to do that much damage to any target. Uh, and we build charge counters by proliferating, obviously. Instants or sorceries are how we build this up. We're going to pay three to make this artifact come down. We're going to cast one instant or sorcery. This might be an argument to use those white instants that untap Jan, or just your typical removal spells that we will probably have a bunch of. And then we start proliferating. And at any point, we can pay one and a red to remove any number to do that much damage to any target. Not to mention, there's a side ability here. One, red, tap, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. That's value. I think Door of Destinies is a very interesting artifact that deals with charge counters because it's a four mana artifact that when it enters, we choose a creature type. It is a tribal thing and it is expensive, 12 to 15 bucks. People love tribal decks and tribal decks need all of these artifacts across the board. They're like Sol rings. Every tribal deck needs this. So we'll probably pick something like Construct. That means we're going to want to stuff like Solemn Simulacrum, who are also constructs in the deck, because that's how we get the first charge count when we cast a creature of the chosen type. But then all of the creatures of the chosen type get plus one, plus one for each charge counter on Door of Destiny. You can see how this gets out of hand. If we're not going to go really heavy on constructs, though, I'd save the 15 bucks. If we're going heavy on instants and sorceries, like maybe with that Dragon Spark Reactor and all those white instants that untap Jan, we got to look at Sphinx Bone Wand. Cost seven to come down, but now that it's here, Every time we cast instants or sorceries, we get a charge counter on it, we proliferate those up, and now we're doing damage based on the number of counters each time we cast an instant or a sorcery. Once this thing gets up to like seven or eight, it's hard to imagine. Like we know it's true, but it does it always seems to happen faster than you think. You get this thing to seven or eight, and then it's like three spells to kill someone. Seven plus eight plus nine plus ten. I'm assuming they've taken a little bit of damage to this point. Then Dragon Spark Reactor, which is similar to Magis to, to the Geist Flame Reservoir. It's another two-mana artifact both from Neon Dynasty. I think they were both from... No, Geist Flame Reservoir was from uh, the Werewolf set, Innistrad, Midnight Hunt. Dragonspark Reactor is from Neon Dynasty. It's a two-mana artifact. This is the one... We don't get to sacrifice it. Sorry, reverse that. We have to sacrifice this to use it. It's a one-time thing, whereas the Reservoir is something we can use over and over. But for this one, it builds up counters every time an artifact enters the battlefield under our control. And in this case, Jan puts them down two at a time. So this thing's going to get big very fast, whether or not we're proliferating. We just got to pay four to sack it and does that damage to anywhere. Actually, that's not right. It goes to one target player and up to one target creature. So it's kind of two things. So there's a bit of a proliferate angle. I think another way we could go is to brew around a specific artifact. I came across this one, well, ages ago, and I've always kind of liked it. 
It's called Tainted Sigil. One white black for an artifact. You tap it and sacrifice it. That's the key. We don't have to pay anything to do it. So since artifacts don't have summoning sickness, we're allowed to pay the three. This comes down and we can immediately sack it and sacrifice it. And that means we gain life equal to the total life lost by all players this turn. That includes ourselves. So any effect that damages all the players, if we've popped a dragon spark reactor and hit a player with a bunch this thing can tap and gain us a bunch of life because this is a three mana artifact that has the potential to gain us 20 life just by using it that's even with damage we just do regular combat damage this thing gains us life but i think if we're going to brew around this we're going to want ways to gain a ton of life at once i'm not going to go deep onto extort but that becomes a wonderful way to do this we cast spells our opponents lose life and we gain life and then this does it even more but if you're going to focus on an artifact like this you got to have ways to find goblin engineer is another creature with a tap ability so we benefit from thousand year elixir but for two mana we make a one two that when it enters we get to put an artifact right into the graveyard that's fantastic and then we can pay red to sack an artifact like i don't know one of the millions of things jan's getting and we can return tainted sigil to right to the battlefield because it costs three or less that's the key it has to cost three or less and if we can untap goblin engineer that means we get to use the Tainted Sigil and then use Goblin Engineer again to use Tainted Sigil again in the same turn. If our opponents have lost five each, then we're gaining 15 points of life every time we sack the Tainted Sigil. It's at this point, I should make clear, we're planning on weaponizing that life gain. Things like Aetherflux Reservoir, once we get above 50, we can do 50 to somebody. Things like Sanguine Bond, so whenever we gain life, our opponents are losing life. Veto, Thorn of the Dusk Rose, we gain life, that means they lose life. That Viscopa... What's its name? That Orzov one? Viscopa Guild Mage. We can pay three so that whenever we gain life this turn, each opponent loses that much life. Each opponent using the Tainted Sigil twice has to be game if there's anything on it, right? Everyone has lost five. That means we gain 15, which means everyone else loses another 15, which means the next time we use Tainted Sigil this turn, if we can recur it somehow, how much have we gained so far? We've gained 45. I've already lost count, but that means everyone's losing another 45. It's ridiculous. Savin's Reclamations, another sorcery way to get it back. It's a three mana sorcery that returns a permanent with three or less mana value from your graveyard right to the battlefield. And then if you flash it back for five, you get to do it twice to do two different things. We can't bring back the sigil twice. I mean, we can't for the flashback. Do you know, did you get it? Savine's Reclamation on the front, we bring back the sigil. And then when we flash it back, we bring back the sigil and one more thing. Recommission, a simple spell that does it for two mana. Artifact with value three or less. Sun Titan, of course. Every time we attack or when it enters, it's bringing back a permanent with three or less, which is Tainted Sigil. Or Emiria's Shepherd. I think Emiria's Shepherd is underrated. This is the seven mana angel. It's got landfall. We're a 4 4 flyer. Whenever a land enters the battlefield, you can put any permanent from your graveyard to your hand. But if the land that came in was a plains, it goes right to the battle. Play an Evolving Wilds, return a big creature to our hand. Crack the Evolving Wilds for a plains, return Tainted Sigil right to the battlefield. Or maybe it makes more sense to return the big creature right away and put the Tainted Sigil in hand. However you want to do it, Emiria's Shepherd is fantastic. Rings of Bright Hearth sort of becomes another Tainted Sigil this way because it's that three mana artifact whenever we activate an ability. If it's not mana, you get to pay two and do it twice. You copy it. And copied Tainted Sigil activations do resolve in order. So as the first one gains us a bunch of life, the second one will then gain us more life if that first one caused our opponents to lose life in the process. Stuff's gonna happen between each resolution. And then we gotta look at Asterion the Decadent. Six mana legendary vampire elf rogue 4-4. The dude looks like Mozart. We've got Death Touch and Lifelink, and at the beginning of our end step, we choose one. either target opponent loses the life equal to the amount of lives they lost this turn already. So it's kind of like double the life loss. 
or we gain life equal to the life we gain this turn. That's the one we're going to pick with Tainted Sigil because if I've gained 30 life from the Sigil, then I've recurred it and I've gained another 30 life. Now Asterion triggers and now I'm going to gain 60 life. You see what I mean? If we had a way to weaponize this life gain, which we definitely will, it gets out of hand. A couple great ways to find it. Koldotha Forge Master, five mana artifact construct. We can tap to sacrifice three artifacts, search up an artifact, put it right onto the battlefield. It's a $7 card, right? Wishclaw Talisman is nice. That's the two mana artifact that we get to pay one and tap to remove a wish counter from it starts with three wish counters that means we get to search something up put it into our hand and then an opponent gains control of this however jan can tap while this ability is on the stack and sacrifice the wish claw talisman so no one else will get a turn with it. then we can do stuff like goblin engineer to bring it back get another tutor if we wanted this one's three bucks if we're gonna mess around with life gain i think it's worth considering eternity vessel when's the last time you looked at this card it's up to six bucks now it's a mythic from zendikar six mana artifact and when it enters the battlefield you put x charge counters on it where x is how much life you have your life total this can be proliferated then the landfall trigger says whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control you may have your life total become the number of charge counters on Eternity Vessel. This is important in a couple of ways. The game views resetting your life total this way as gaining or losing life. If we've got the Eternity Vessel set for, let's say, 60, and we get knocked down to 40, when we play a land, we reset to 60, the game thinks we have gained 40, sorry, 20, we've gained 20 life that way. Anything that watches for life gain will trigger that way. Things like veto, etc. This also means we can spend life freely if we're holding a land with a land drop, maybe we got an Evolving Wilds yet to crack. Let's pay all the life we want to something like Bolus's Citadel. We're just going to get it all back immediately. The beauty of Bolus's Citadel is we get to play lands off the top of the deck too, so like that'll just reset it automatically. Then we got stuff like Erebos the Bleak Hearted. Every time we're sacking a construct, we can pay two to draw a card. I mean, anytime any creature dies, Plague of Vermin is a seven mana sorcery that where we all play a little life bidding game. Starting with you, we all bid some life. And we keep going until no one bids life. So I'm going to bid, let's say five. Um, and then you're going to bid what? Six? Two? Um, everyone is ends up putting a 1-1 one, one black rat creature token into play for each one life he or she paid this way. You can always stay ahead of everyone with rats. And I can afford to pay infinity because I'm just going to get it back. Not literally infinity. You know what I mean. Treasonous Ogre is the most interesting thing to do with excess life. It's a four minute Ogre Shaman, 2-3. We also have Dethrone, but that's weird. I don't plan on attacking with them much because the ability is pay three life, add red. If we can pop back up to 40 life whenever we want with Eternity Vessel. That's like a ton of free red man. Evra Halcyon Witness is another interesting life gain thing. It's the six mana four four with lifelink, but we can pay four to exchange our life total with Evra. So we, let's say we're at 50. We exchange our life total with Evra's power. So now Evra is a 54 and we have four life. We play our land, go back to 50 or just Tainted Sigil a couple times. Don't forget that's part of the plan too. Now we've got this massive power creature with lifelink and we've got a ton of life and the game saw us gain all that and lose all that. Saw it all. The game watches everything. Okay, here's one more angle for you. This one's courtesy of Chiefy from the Discord. Thank you, Chiefy. Null Rod is a reserveless card. So it's 70 bucks or you're going to proxy it with a $2 Sharpie and an extra planes line. But it's a two mana artifact 
that says artifact activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. Oh, sorry, it's not 70, it's 90. So you might be thinking, but doesn't this hose Jan? Not exactly. I think this is a brew where it has to be most of the focus because it will shut down what artifacts can do, but it does not shut down the fact that we get to make a ton of artifacts and other things that are not artifacts get to use those artifacts. Things like Olivia's attendance making its damage that it deals in blood tokens. We can't use them as blood, but there are extra things on the battlefield to sacrifice for Jan to make more things, and then other things can sacrifice those artifacts for value. Things like Megatog. Megatog is a 6 mana 3-4, but all you gotta do is sack an artifact and it gets plus 3 plus 3 and trample till end of turn. Notably, you have to get your trample through something like Archetype of Aggression, one of those creature cards that are not artifacts, because if you try to use equipment, you won't get to equip it. Equipping is an activated ability of an artifact. We're not allowed to do that with Null Rod, but it'll also shut down so much stuff on our opponent's battlefields. All of their mana rocks, done. If they make treasures, can't use them. It's a pretty staxy way to go, and we should be able to still get a ton of benefit ourselves. I think it's interesting. I'm going to wrap it up here. I think Jan's a cool value commander, and I think the price is right, both in real life money and in how much mana they cost to come down. 17 cents, by the way. I'd love to know how you want to take your Jan Jensen deck. Let me know. Send me an email, commandersbrew at gmail.com. And if you want to find other ways to support, there's always patreon.com slash commandersbrew or buying cards through that link I mentioned. It does more than just show you all the cards I talked about. I hope you liked it. Can't wait to bring another cool deck and commander to you next time. And in the meantime, you keep being you. World's a better place for See ya.